Welcome to Prism Bible, where we're learning the Bible so that we can live the story. God has a part for each of us to play, and to understand our purpose, we need to grasp the big, beautiful story that's unfolding in history. Join us today as we kick off our series in Level 1. We're going through the basics of the Bible story, and today we're right at the beginning. We'll be learning about God, the very first people, and the crafty villain of the Bible story. This sets a foundation for everything to come. You're listening to Prism Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. With these words, the Bible begins. And with these words, we launch into the big, amazing, and winding road to the end of the story. It's an end that looks a lot like this beginning. After these famous words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible goes into a description of how God made everything. God simply spoke, and things were. For example, on day one of the six total days that God takes to make everything, we see this in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Through the next five days, God continues to speak, and things happen. Dry land appears out of water, plant life appears, the sun, the moon, and the stars appear, animals of the seas and oceans, birds, livestock, and all other creatures that crawl on the ground. Until finally, on the sixth day of creation, God creates mankind, and mankind is a special creation of God. The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 1, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. God made mankind special and different from everything else that he created. And that specialness is directly related to being made in the image of God. In some way, we humans show something about God in our very essence. As humans made in His image, somehow we reflect God. This makes humans positively unique within creation. Can any other being create like a human? Can any other being have friendships like a human? Is there any other being that has the drive to explore and innovate? The answer to these is no. Nothing else in the universe creates, imagines, and has the initiative to produce like humans. There is this spark of God-likeness that each of us are born with, what this passage calls the image of God. And this fact becomes very important as we move on in the story. So God creates everything in six days with the man Adam and the woman Eve being the final crown of creation on the sixth day. And repeatedly through the narrative, the Bible says that God sees his creation as good, until finally he says it's very good. When God is all finished on the seventh day, the Bible says that God rests from his creation. All is complete, beautiful, 
and good. Creation declaring God's power and glory, and humans reflecting God being made in His image. The narrative then zooms in more specifically on the creation of mankind and talks about how God put the man and the woman in a garden in an area called Eden. If you can picture the garden, you can get a sense of the wonder of it. The Bible describes it as having beautiful fruit trees, rivers flowing through it, animals, birds, livestock. Maybe you can picture a lively jungle sort of scene, but domesticated such that it was not built just for animals but especially for humans. Here the humans could walk with God, enjoying and ruling over God's creation, here in the Garden of Eden. But in the Garden, that's not all that was there. Because within the Garden of Eden, among all the animals and landscape, there stood two special trees. Two trees of monumental significance to the rest of the Bible. Trees that we'll be talking about for the rest of the story. First, the tree of life, which apparently allowed those who ate its fruit to live forever. And second, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which apparently caused those who ate from it to have some experience of good and evil. Now don't miss this. These trees were special, but only one had a command attached to it from God. In the middle of Genesis chapter 2, we read this. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Interestingly enough, in the midst of the goodness of God's creation, and especially the lush Garden of Eden, God gives that first couple one prohibition. Don't eat from that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat its fruit. And can you guess what happens? We read this in Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit trees in the garden, But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, 
The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. This narrative is what people call the fall of man, or the fall of mankind. In disobeying God's one rule, His one prohibition, the people suffer the penalty that God warned them about. But it's not exactly how we might expect. The death that they experienced for their sin against God had two layers to it. Layers that the humans began to understand in a new way. When they disobeyed God, they became separated from God spiritually, and what we might call spiritual death. But that's not all. They also became subject to eventual physical death. Spiritual and physical death. Both were the consequences of eating fruit from that forbidden tree. Now, up to the fall of man, the humans had only known the goodness of God's creation. Remember that God, in the account of creation, called the world good and very good. Yet the tree that they ate from caused a new experience of evil. Remember, it was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had already known all the good that God had made, yet in eating the tree, the only thing that they gained was the new knowledge and experience of evil. After this fateful scene in the garden, things quickly begin to change. Because of this sin of disobedience, mankind is cast out of the lush garden that God had made for them, cast away from the presence of God. They cannot be with God because now they themselves are a mixture of good and evil. Now alongside the image of God, the people have evil thoughts and evil intentions. While the image of God does remain on them, now it's mixed with the deathly results of sin. But thankfully this sad narrative doesn't end here. It ends with a series of pronouncements upon the man, the woman, and the serpent. We won't go through them all now, but these are essentially the consequences for disobedience to God. We will highlight this, though. In the middle of God's cursing of the serpent, God's adversary who had initially deceived Eve, he goes on to say this to the serpent, I will put hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This important statement is the seed of the great promise of the Bible. And this seed grows into the big, beautiful plan of God to defeat evil and restore humans to a right relationship with Him that we discover as we continue in the Bible story. But it all starts with this simple and short promise. As the promise says, this eventual offspring of the woman will be hostile toward the serpent, and he will strike the serpent upon the head while the serpent will strike him back on the heel. Somehow, sometime in the future, this offspring of the woman will deal a deadly blow to the serpent, while the serpent will strike a blow back. This is the foundation of the Bible story. It's a promise that comes to shape the future of humanity and the future of the cosmos itself. But who is this offspring of the woman? Who is this descendant? How will the humans find their way back into the garden? The Bible story is just getting started.
Join us next time for step two in our level one series. We'll meet a man named Abraham, an old man who goes to a new land and receives some big promises. Don't forget to download the Prism Bible app, our mobile app to help you learn the Bible. In addition to this podcast content, we have Bible readings, summaries, and quiz questions on the app to help you get the most out of every lesson. Prism Bible is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping you learn the Bible.